Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Hey, this is Mark Davis from Big Water Adventures, and you're listening to Impact Outdoors Podcast. I think my pivotal moment, everybody has always have has one, is, you know, I, I'm, I'm doing war with an old pen 6 aught and an Electromate and 80-pound, you know, mono with about a 40-pound amberjack. And, you know, this is a kid that thinks a, a three-pound largemouth hitting his air spook is amazing. And this thing comes up, and I'm just losing my mind, looking deep color. It's a flat, slick day, calm ocean, beautiful. And all of a sudden, it's just like a video game. I see a hammerhead coming straight up behind him. And I got him five feet from the surface, and you know, I'm leaning on that electromate. And I'm thinking, man, that, that this can't be happening. That hammerhead comes up, clips him off right behind the gills. And I remember my thought was, I'm not doing what I should be doing in life, and I need to be in the ocean. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And so I stepped off that boat. I walked around the corner to the office. I just paid to be on the day trip, and I said, I'd like to go to work on the boat. And he said, what's your experience level? They were hiring mates at the time, uh, deckhands. And I said, counting today? And he, he kind of looks at me, and I said, he says, uh, I guess. And I said, well, I've been on your boat one time, and I've been in the ocean one time. And, and he said, well, I'll tell you what. He said, I'll let you try it for two or three days and see if you like it. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to this week's episode of Impact Outdoors Podcast. And this is your host, Derek York. And we've got a fantastic show lined up today with my good buddy, Mr. Mark Davis, who hosts Big Water Adventures on the Outdoor Channel. And uh, we got time to sit down at ICAST this summer and, and finally get together and, and do the podcast. And uh, had a lot of great stories, kind of hearing the, the ins and the outs of Mark's career coming up in the fishing industry. And and uh, just kind of all the cool places he gets to go and, and film for the show and things like that. And, and uh, talked a lot about a lot of other stuff. And um, really excited for this episode to get out to you guys. And uh, 
can't wait for you to hear it and um, one thing we just really want you to do is just make sure you hit the subscribe button wherever you find your podcasts Um, that'll help us out a lot and please if you can leave a uh, a rating and a review and uh, especially on itunes man we'd love to have more reviews and stuff and that'll help more people find the show and everything and and make sure you also check out the waypoint outdoor collective we're now part of the waypoint outdoor collective and super excited about being part of that family and uh, helping grow the show and, and get to know all these other podcasters across the country in the outdoors industry and stuff and uh, we're going to have a lot of cool things coming um, with that and uh, you can go to waypointtv.com, look at all the podcasts, check out all the TV shows and everything. And the best thing about it is it's 100% all free. So make sure and get signed up with Waypoint and uh, get all this great content. So with that being said, let's jump right in this episode with Mark Davis. here from iCast 2021 and I've got Mark Davis in the house thank you for being here man uh, I'll tell you if I sound a little bit hoarse this show will take it out of you uh, it is beat defeat and meet angry it is unbelievable how many people are here and uh, quite honestly how quickly you have to move from one to the next to get through it yeah, um, yeah. I've probably walked about 20 million steps in the last two days so it's a good thing i mean i i wasn't planning you know we're sitting here it's thursday at the end of the second day and really wasn't planning on staying on friday but i just changed my plans and decided to do it not because i have any appointments but because i know there's about probably you know 25 30 40 people that i really just don't get to see often enough and i need to go hunt them up and say hello because you know when we only meet once a year seems like these days paths don't cross near as often as they used to so yep yeah and it's uh it's been good to have this again man it was like missing family man. last year not having it it and really then, was and uh and it's a smaller show this year no yep, doubt yep, yep but uh, i think it'll be back next year I mean, there's still a lot of people here i mean it took all day yesterday just to walk down every aisle you yeah know, not even, that's not even really stopping at right. too many places so um yeah the the products that you see here every year you know that's part of it the people the companies um but it really is it represents the fishing industry it's our we call it our trade show it's what it is Mm -hmm. and you know you almost have to have if for no other reason that every organization and every group of like-minded individuals need some place that they can gather and call their own if it's once a year twice a year whatever but icast is i mean i I think i came to my first one in either it was 93 or 94 and had not missed one till everybody missed one last year and yep. it really did. It was something that I kind of I felt like I, I I didn't get to see my family for too long. So that's that's part of the reason that you know right. coming back tomorrow. Yep. So did you figure out if the 
the number resets now that we missed a year, or are I don't you know. still going? So I, how many years is that? I, I, I think this is. I think this is my number one re-icast, <laughs> or I'm I'm re-icasting my first year, or whatever it is. But it's a lot of years. I mean, I'm I'm not the best at math, but if you take one out and you know, yep. 2021 minus 1993 is a it's lot. A long time. Mm-hmm. So this is my sixth one. Mm-hmm. So I'm just starting. But uh, growing up, I always knew about iCast and the, you know, and all the stuff that goes on here, and, and uh, never thought I'd ever be here. But it's been pretty cool. Surreal, you know, yeah. to me at, at first because you come, you see everybody you always looked up to, you watched on TV, and you see all the, the big guys, yeah. you know, like yourself included and, and all that. And, you know, I remember the first time I met Bill Dance was here in yep. 2015 with my wife. And, uh, you know, we see Jimmy and all these greats, you know, that you grew Out up. Out of context, the, too. Yeah. I mean, the, the one thing that just blew me away, it, it couldn't have been my first, second, maybe third eye cast, and I, I see Mark Sosen in a suit. <laughs> And I, I, I honestly, without the hat, without, I didn't know who he was. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it, you see people out of context. Back then, a lot more people wore suits. You know, it's a little more casual now, and plus it's yeah. in Orlando. But, yeah, to actually see the, the essence of the industry just walking around aisle to aisle right. is, is a neat thing. Yep. Yep. So, so Mark, I've just recently met you, mm-hmm. um, and uh, but we got a lot of friends in common. A lot common, of mutual friends. And that was pretty funny to find out how many people we actually knew. Fishing yeah. is such a small world, the whole hunting and outdoor industry. But, uh, you know, the biggest connection I had right off the bat was Blue Wave right. and the Parks right. family with Richard and, and them. And, um, you know, I love Blue Wave boats. Yes, and I'm sir. so glad to see, see you out there on that thing on the show all the time and catching fish and stuff. But I really want to have you on because I love hearing stories as do the listeners. And really, you know, you got such a passion, and I love offshore fishing. Yes, sir. And I love seeing you do that. And uh, really wanted to know, you know, growing up, what got you into the outdoors? Where did that drive and passion come from? And, and we can kind of get into to what you're doing now. Well, I'll start by telling you I knew at a very young age that I was going to do something in fishing with the fishing industry. I just had no idea what it was. I I moved down to South Carolina uh, initially because I wanted to fish bass tournaments. I'd fished that growing up. I grew up in the Midwest and had seen the ocean on vacation a couple of times, but I'd never fished in the ocean until I was 21. (laughs) And uh, I got an immersion course. So... I moved down to South Carolina after college. I had an advertising and public relations degree, and I had no job. I had no idea what I wanted to do. I went to the nearest tackle shop, which was uh, Charleston Sports, and ended up being a fishing department manager, and that springboarded into working for Marie Sporting Goods for a period of time as a rep. And in the interim, over, well, from about probably uh, the time I got out of college until three or four years that I started working for Shakespeare, I was I was going offshore on a headboat, and I started as a deckhand. You know, really the way it happened is when I first got down here, I got on the headboat, I went out offshore, and I think my pivotal moment, everybody has, always have has one, is, you know, I, I'm, I'm doing war with an old pen 6 aught and an Electromate and 80-pound, you know, mono with about a 40-pound amberjack, and, you know, this is a kid that thinks a... a <laughs> three pound largemouth hitting his air spook is amazing and this thing comes up and i'm just losing my mind looking deep color it's a flat slick day calm ocean beautiful and all of a sudden it's just like a video game i see a hammerhead coming straight up behind him <laughs> and i got him five feet from the surface and you know leaning on that electric maybe and i'm thinking man that, that this can't be happening that hammerhead comes up clips him off right behind the gills and I think the, the head on that fish weighed like, you know, 17 pounds. And 
I got it over the rail, and I remember my thought was, I'm not doing what I should be doing in life, and I need to be in the ocean. The adrenaline kicked yeah, in. Yeah, yeah, and so I stepped off that boat. I walked around the corner to the office I'd just paid to be on the day trip, and I said, I'd like to go to work on the boat. And he said, what's your experience level? They were hiring mates at the time, uh, deckhands. Mm -hmm. And I said, counting today? And he, he kind of looks at me, and I said, he says, uh, I guess. And I said, well, I've been on your boat one time, and I've been in the ocean one time. And, and he said, well, I'll tell you what. He said, I'll let you try it for two or three days and see if you like it. And in the interim, I was still working as, at Charleston Sports as, in the fishing department. And uh, then I moved on to Marie Sporting Goods. I moved from deckhand to mate to part-time captain to full-time captain. Got my 100-ton master's captain's license and um, had started working for Shakespeare Fishing Tackle, which – Coincidentally, it was about the only thing in life I planned because when I was in college, I had put up a mock resume in about probably 1989, and I just picked randomly in Columbia, South Carolina, Shakespeare Fishing Tackle to do a mock resume. And about 95, 96, I go to work for them, start working for wow. them. So uh, from there, I was advertising in public relations, and 13 years there, we grew the company $200 million, and we didn't own it, and it got sold, and I had the opportunity, really because I'd been working with the pro staff and the advertising side and everything that I had done to that point, I never intended nor planned or even thought about having a television show. Never entered my mind, but I knew the advertising side from mm -hmm. doing it with Shakespeare. I knew all the, the guys that I could go to be the you know best places in the world and the yep. top destinations with the top captains and guides all over the place. And I got to looking at it, and I thought, you know what? I know the network, I know the advertising, I know the pros. I can make a TV show, and I think if I make it about where we go and who we go with, I can make a really good TV show. So that's when I decided, you know what, Big Water Adventures needs to be born, and that's when it started. Awesome. How many uh, um, how many shows did you do your first season, you remember? We've done 13 every season. The first five years, uh, it was owned by a separate production company. Right. and. Interesting thing, if you go to MOTV, you will see seasons 6 through 14, but you won't see seasons 1 through 5. That was my what I considered my litmus test, and I, I decided that uh, after that I either need to, to buy it out and, and grow mm -hmm. it or start over, quit, whatever I wanted to do. And I cashed in a 20-year 20 20-year 401K, everything I owned. I went to work, uh, bought the camera equipment, started working with the network, and bought the production company out and starting season six it was full you know pretty much me my wife and a couple of employees couple guys and wow. um that's really what took off so we've done 13 original episodes every year and right. last week i did episode number 188 dang man yeah almost a 200 almost um <laughs> so little little thing i just passed in the in the 70s i passed seinfeld total episodes <laughs> and if I if I can get all the way through here, I think it was two two hundred nine, if I remember correctly, on the office. So there that's, you go. That's my next target. <laughs> that's your, that's, your that's target. my next target. I figure I'm never going to catch the Simpsons because they just won't quit making them. So. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, that that it, I've been blessed to be able to go. We've got the longest running saltwater show on Outdoor Channel, and you know they've had us at nine thirty a.m. Saturday morning for the last eight nine years, and yep. just made a home. Yep, that's awesome. Yeah. And, uh, you know, the places you get to go, I mean, that's so cool. And I talk with a lot of people, you know, that um, 
getting to go to these places, but watching it on TV, you know, a lot of us never get to go to a lot of these places. Sure. But you live vicariously through Absolutely. what you see, and it makes a big impact. And, and maybe one day those people will right, right, right. get to go there. And, you that, know, and that's and part of the business model. You know, I, I won't go anywhere. I've had some offers to do some, you know, phenomenal things to some, you know, Ascension Island and private mm-hmm. boats and stuff like that. Part of my business model is I won't go anywhere or do anything that you can't pick up the phone and have as good or better experience than I did. And most of the time, you know, when we film, you know, Star Wars wasn't shot in outer space. So there's a lot goes into, you know, that tauntaun running across the ice field. And when it's all boiled down, at the end of the day, the the, uh, experience that I have is slowed down a good bit because we've got to film it we have to you know we get a fish Mm -hmm. on we've got to get all the jumps on camera we're trying to get you know the the release boat side or whether we're going to keep it and bleed it out all the things that we got to get on film most of the time i can pretty well tell you if you go the places that i go with the 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 captains the resorts whatever the the week may be Mm -hmm. um you're going to have as good or better with a phone call than I had while I was there. And, and that's the other kind of magic elixir because it's about where we go and who we go with. Yep. And when you're watching that, if you do say, you know, man, one day that's my bucket list. If you save up for 10 years to go someplace that I'm going, I want to give you exactly what you're going to get when you get there or better so that you're not disappointed watching 10 years and saying, you know, hey, why am I not doing what he did every time he went there? Yeah, that's a good point, man. Right. So, there's a lot of people, I mean, you know, I guide mm-hmm. down in Galveston, and it's, uh, you know, fishing's fishing, and yeah. it's not the it same is. every day. It is. And I, that's the biggest thing, man, when I have a tough day on the water, you know, I've, I do my very best to get to give the clients, you know, their best trip, and right. just like what you're talking about. Yep. You know, when they come, they, they spend money for hotels, and they drive in from out of town, and fishing may not be what they see or what, you know, 100% what they wanted, but... I still try to give them, you know, 100%. Sure. Well, there's always know, weather. And, I mean, let's face it, you know, if you really think about it, that, that's part of the intriguing thing. I think I'd get bored not knocking any any sport out there. But if you're hitting a golf ball or you're, you know, shooting a basketball or hitting a tennis ball, I mean, that takes an awful lot of skill and there's a lot of stuff that goes into it. But that golf ball, that basketball, and that baseball are not trying to get away from you and completely would not be playing your game if they had the ability to, you know, not make it happen. Yeah. So. We're competing against a live organism that is affected by, you know, weather, pressure, water quality, salinity levels, wind, sun, clouds, rain, and mm-hmm. they are just living their life doing their thing, and we're trying to figure out the best way to intercept them, and that's what makes it humbling and gratifying at the same time. Because yeah. no matter how good you get, you are not a fish, and you never will be. So you can't predict them 100% of the time. Yep. And talking about amberjack earlier, I remember the first amberjack I caught clear as day, man. Yes, sir. And uh, believe it or not, I used to get seasick all the time. When I, every time I'd go offshore, I always got seasick before I moved to Texas. Really? But uh, I have a record. I remember I threw up 18 times the oh. day I caught my first AG. Man, I want to throw up twice, and then I want a <laughs> bullet. That's uh, that's the worst thing in the world. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So, and. And uh, but I remember that fish. I remember that experience, and that was really one of my first true. It was a party boat down out of Port A, Port mm-hmm. Aransas, and uh, um, one of my first real experiences out in the Gulf. And um, never at that time thought I would be living there and fishing out there all the time. And, and now my favorite thing to do is offshore fish, you right? Know, yellowfin. Well, it's um, great to see the amberjacks are you know 
they've closed off a lot of the ground fish. They've made some regulations. You mm -hmm. know, amberjacks have a season now. When I was on the headboat, it was like you, you got mad if you got into the amberjacks because we ran, it was a 110-foot headboat. We'd run anywhere from 50 to 80 people and six aughts and electromates. Man, you get into a school of, you know, pinwheeling 40 60 yeah. pound aj's and it's it's side retired i mean you you, you had eight amberjacks on 60 lines yeah. so we almost hated them but it you know looking at a fish like that's one of the hardest pulling fish in the ocean they're always ready to do it they'll eat on the top water they'll do everything you want them to do besides jump and it's good to see you know they're they're great table fare they've mm -hmm. got some parasites in them but you know so do a lot of fish and it's good to it's good to see them in the last two or three years get their due. Yeah, the old reef donkeys, man. I've yes, been, sir. I've been fortunate. We've been on two trips, uh, me and my buddy, where we, we have landed triple-digit AJs. Yeah. And, I mean, they are just, oh, my gosh, they're so It's insane. We, we had one on the show last year and on the intro to the show. Mm -hmm. I said, this is a full-grown donkey pulling a cart. Yeah. And I remember, if I remember correctly, Boomer caught him. It was in North Carolina out Ocean Isle. And I think it took him an hour and – 26 minutes or something like that on 50 pound class i mean it well we were in 300 feet of water yeah and that fish went up and down and up and down and we kept seeing the you know the spiral burps where where they're mm -hmm. so every time it did it it was you know he was expelling the air and he could go right back down again and boomer finally i kept telling him i'm like dude this this is a trophy fish and it was such a big amberjack we put it on the intro and you know turned it loose got a great release on it and all that but it was kind of funny because you know he's used to catching them, been around them, doing stuff like that, and mm -hmm. I'm I'm quite certain he was it, he was a bit tuckered out and really wanting to break that fish off after about an hour of that stuff. And I we saw deep color like thirty times yeah. <laughs> before we don't got recommend the starting your offshore career check catching an amberjack, but yeah. but but uh, start out a little bit simpler. But yeah, yes sir. You know, we must be gluttons for punishment. So <laughs> hey, if, if it doesn't pull, it's no fun anyway. That's right. So well. um you know, uh, you've been all over the place. Do you have any, like, I'm not going to say your favorite fish to catch because they're all fun to catch, but what are some of the, the, I guess, most unique places you've been? I know you've been up to PI. Yeah, I've, I've been, I'll put it to you this way, and, you know, I can't say this without probably making people go, man, I don't like that dude. I can go wherever I want. I set the schedule. So yeah. if I, if, if I want to go to do an episode we can we can go anywhere we want to go um literally so as long as they've got something where you can go and do the same thing you know with the limitations but mm -hmm. when you really talk about what destinations do i love to go to you'll see you know there's quite a few of them we go to year after year you look at tropic star down in panama or croc bay in costa rica or pei for the giant blue fins and alaska for all the diversity that they've got yep. Of course, Venice, Louisiana is, you know, Tuna Town, USA, and everything else. But if you look at the reason that we go there, we very rarely get a show that's even remotely the same as what we've done year to year. Right. So you're, you're fishing for everything. Most of the, the ports that I like to go to that are truly what I would call bucket list, you know, with the exception of PEI, is you can you can knock, I mean, if, if you go to, you know, Tropic Star, you could catch a blue marlin, black marlin, dolphin, tuna, wahoo, sailfish, roosterfish, cabrera, all of those in one trip if you hit it right. Mm -hmm. They could all be there at the same time. But what I really try to do over the course of the season is whatever trips you trigger, whether it's inshore, offshore, you know, going down to the exotic species like the roosters and the cabrera's or up to Alaska or just the stupid giant bluefin tunas, which is really 
if there was one thing I would tell you, if you say you could have one more fish and you're done, <laughs> I would tell you I want to go 130 bent butt stand up on a, uh, on a, on a bluefin. I've done 17 of them um, currently, and we haven't been able to go to PEI last year and won't be able to go this year. Mm-hmm. But um, the, the giant bluefins, uh, a true 120-inch to the fork 10-foot tuna, and fish. you know 50 to 60 pounds of a drag on stand-up yeah. and it, it may be for an hour and 15 minutes it may be for three hours it depends on best way i can put those fish is you know if you walk up in a bar and slap 10 random people across the place or across the face you're going to get 10 re- different responses that's that's a bluefin some <laughs> of them want to run some of them want to fight you some of them want to fall down i mean it's that's typically the way those fish are but to your point on the bucket list and favorite places to go what I literally try to do every year is to get a full complement, 50-plus species, Alaska to Australia. We couldn't go this year yet again, but um, try to get a full bucket list list of locations mm-hmm. that no matter what you think you want to do, we cover it in such a way as to showcase where we're at and what we're doing and to make you want to go do it. Yeah. So it almost depends on what kind of mood I'm in. By the time, you know, time july rolls around it's hot i want to go to alaska you know and you I mean, just got back right just got back was it last week or week yeah, before yeah and it was uh it was phenomenal i mean the weather where we go with it's alaskan fishing is the website the reason that i fish with him every year is he has lodges in soldatna and sterling but he's also got fleets in homer and seward so seward yeah. opens to the southeast uh homer opens to the northwest so no matter what direction you're right in the middle of them you know exactly. within striking distance no matter what direction the the wind's blowing from or how hard it's blowing you can yeah. make it happen nice yeah awesome yeah i've been to alaska one time and definitely want to go back it's more so. like another country than a lot of other countries yeah you know i mean i <laughs> I, I say like you know Costa Rica is like a third world country for sure, but you go to Panama and it's it's really like uh, Florida with better roads. Yeah, I mean <laughs> <laughs> it's just daylight in the summer. It, all the it time. really is. I mean, you, you go the first time I went to Panama, I, I'll never forget it. It was you know probably 15 years ago now, and, and I'm flying in, and I'm looking at the skyline. And I, the guy sitting next to me was asleep. It was like 9 o'clock at night, and I'm looking at this skyline, and I'm, I panicked. I'm like, oh, my God, I'm on the wrong plane. I'm, I'm, I'm on the wrong plane. And I literally elbowed the guy, and I said, have you been to Panama before? And he wakes up, and he's looking at me, and he's like, yeah. I said, is that Panama? And he looked at me like I was the dumbest person on the planet. And he says, I sure hope so because this is where this plane's supposed to go. And I said, okay. <laughs> and he's just looking at me. And I said, I thought I was on the wrong plane because the, I'd been to Costa Rica, but I'd never been to Panama. And with that influx of cash from the Panama Canal, they're constantly building, and they're very, very modern and industrial. Mm. And, I mean, it did not look like what I thought Panama was going right. to look like. So, yep. you know, the, the places that you go, as I said, Alaska looks more like another country than Panama in a yeah. lot of respects. If I if I blindfolded you and stuck you in the middle of Panama, you'd think you were three streets off A1A. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire. By famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady. Live only on Netflix. Well, I want to I want to bring up um, 
a lot has changed and going back to the to the tv show you know in the in the last 10 years Mm -hmm. so much has changed in the way the consumer gets it oh yeah you know going from network television um to all the online streaming and all that stuff i mean how is that i mean is that affected i mean besides the behind the scenes stuff like has that affected any way that you are producing the show or you know so when i came up with the business model I was well aware I was going to be a unicorn with a drop time with my business plan. There's not, if you really look at what's out there, if you're competing in certain spaces that are being covered, um, you know, freshwater, bass fishing, some of the things that you, you can pick 40, 50 shows that between YouTube, you know, guys that are doing it on digital, guys that are doing it on television, mm-hmm. all the different networks, you know, Outdoor Channel, Sportsman's Channel, WFM, Pursuit. When I decided to do what I was going to do, it could have just as easily been freshwater um, the way I went about it. But I I took a look at the market and the legends, you know, Jose Wahabi was still going at the time, and he was one of the guys I really looked up to. But Mark Sosin was getting to where he's looking to retire. You know, Pavarama had been doing it for a long time. Um, A lot of the guys, you know, of course, Kirk Gowdy had quit uh, years ago. Um, Larry Dahlberg had been doing it for a while, but mm-hmm. all the guys that were the the destination adventure multi-species wow factor guys, there weren't that many of them back when they were all rolling. And so looking at the landscape and realizing that a big company's probably not going to be able to pull this off because there's too many mouths to feed and it'd be, you know, you'd be looking at a million dollar production if one of the large production companies tried to do it. Right. And looking at it from my perspective, a small guy, in order to do it, you know, I'm looking at my airtime. I'm writing the checks out of the same one I write my electric bill out of. So I knew going into it that if I was going to pull this thing off and accomplish it, it was going to have to be something unique. And back to the platform at the time, it doesn't really affect me. This might surprise you, but with, with my content, my format, and, you know, it's real simple. Like I said, it's a destination adventure. We go inshore, offshore, Alaska to Australia, 50-plus species a year, true bucket list entertainment, right? Yep. We do the techniques, we do the how-tos as much as you want to watch, and we keep the entertainment factor up and the wow factor up. But if you really look at my competitors, it's a lot more difficult to find something that is in the same genre that I'm in with, with what we do and where we go and yeah. how we accomplish it top shelf on that digital platform because you got to make a whole bunch of money to pay for it. I mean, if you stop mm-hmm. and think about, you know, us doing 13 originals and before COVID, we were doing six different countries and plus Alaska and, you know, getting well into 50 to 100 species. So, the interesting thing about your comment is I'm, I, I know that there is some um, network television shows that, you know, the programming's not doing as well. I have, since I took it over in 2010, I've been up an average of 5 to 8% every year. That's, and if That's really good. Yep, and including where I'm on track to do this year. COVID, I would have actually been up significantly more to the point that uh, – I didn't count Q4 in my totals and reporting to all my sponsors because I didn't want to get the number too high and have have it, you know, pretty much sour my because I air I air Q1 and Q2 on Outdoor Channel and year round on WFN, so I didn't even count my Q4 WFN mm-hmm. numbers. But if you actually look at my growth, um, I average five to eight percent increase every year. And if you take 2019 and you take 2021 and you put where 2020 should have been without COVID, it's 
almost a straight line from 2010 to 2021. So yeah. I haven't experienced it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and it's 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 interesting because a lot of the guys, you know, say old school guys, but you know, don't like change. And man, it has I'm changed a bunch. It has, it has. But you know, here's the here's the other thing that kind of insulates me. Um, if you watch my show, and I, I tell people all this time, just pick one. It doesn't matter which one you watch, and tell me who's really the star of the show. It's not me. Yeah. It's where we go and who we go with. I bore the heck out of myself. I hate watching myself on TV. I would lo- I'd rather watch you shoot crickets with a slingshot than watch myself on television. And if there's a sequence that's got me in it for any length of time, my hair better be on fire and I'm telling my <laughs> wife and kids I love them. Um, you know, it, it, it isn't something that I look at from a me being Big Water Adventure standpoint. It's a, something that I look at saying what is interesting about this to me that I would want to convey to other people, and it's never me. Yeah. The, the underwater stuff that we do, you know, we, we're cutting edge on all the underwater things. We're dropping cameras into 200 feet of water and getting halibut eaten and, you know, on camera. I recently watched some of the footage, and, oh, my God, I, you know, that, that's that's the best or would cold you rather, water footage I've right, ever seen. Right, or would you rather watch me with a bent rod? Yeehaw, yeehaw, big fish. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. I'm, I'm the first one. It's kind of funny. It's the rolling joke with my production guys that, you know, if, if, if a show's two minutes long, find two minutes of mark to cut. Because that's, that's going to be the right answer. You don't even have to ask me. Yeah. You know, so that's the part of the reason that it, it helps drive, you know, the old school guys. When I looked at the why did I want to watch Larry Dahlberg so much? Why did I want to watch Mark Sosin? And the answer for me was always there's things I either learned, saw, or wanted to do in every episode. You mm-hmm. know, and I, that, was, that was it. That was the magic elixir. And I also realized that for me to cover the ground that I cover and the swath and the fisheries and the techniques and the locations and everything that swims, there's no way in the world I can have a skill set to go across the board there. I need the best in the world everywhere we go. I enlisted them and I said, look, we're going to have a three-legged stool. We're going to have the places that I go, the people that watch it, and, of course, the sponsors that support it. But you cannot stand without those I've got to be able to fund it so I got to have the sponsors happy but I've mm. got to have enough fans watching it that, exactly. that make it worth paying for yeah. but I have to have those professionals in the captains the locations you know the stars of the show I'm I'm your big water adventure Sherpa and I'll walk you through it yeah we talked we talked about sponsor stuff earlier and with everything that's happened in the last year and a half and stuff I mean in your in your perspective being here at ICAST right now where a lot of that is happening, you mm-hmm. know, has it been tougher or, or easier, you think, for the companies to, to do that? And not just for your show, but from what you've heard from other people and stuff, you know, because in my opinion, when the pandemic started, you know, it, it shut down everything. It was killing every industry, including the fishing industry. But it seemed like, you know, talk about this, a bunch of people, it seemed like about May of last year, man, it ended up being probably one of the best years for the oh, it, fishing industry it, ever yeah it hands down it the fishing industry there you know there 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 was feast or famine and the fishing industry feasted there's no doubt they sold every bit of product they had uh they blew through their forecasts their pipeline their supplies they, they couldn't make stuff fast enough um so the fishing indu- industry itself not just in terms of product but in recruitment you know mm-hmm. i've heard the number from four or five people i haven't seen it myself but I, i've heard that the number is 10 to 12 million new licenses nationwide yeah. year over year 
there's a lot of things happening. You know, there's things happening with sports. There's things happening with the with the climate, and some people just want to get out and get away. And there's a lot of reasons for that. But mm -hmm. the fishing industry was doing really well. And as far as the sponsorship side, to your point, you'd never even heard of you know a a digital budget. So you gotta you know you gotta figure until about ten years ago, and for sure five years ago, that's when people started having them. So you got to figure, you know, from my perspective, if you want to know yet again that magic elixir, I come from an advertising background, so it's really real simple. You know, the Outdoor Channel is a platform that people pay money to watch hook and bullet programming. So if you and I as a sponsor agree, you want to be on the Outdoor Channel in terms of programming because the people that are on that network watching the shows on that network are your consumer. Okay, so we got that down. We got that in common. The rest of it's even easier. How much are you giving me and what am I paying for it? So for me, it's literally, it's a CPM, which is a cost per thousand reach. So when mm -hmm. I hand them a package, you're going to get it. You know, if I try to keep around a $10 CPM, that means for $10, you're reaching a thousand households rent track rated on the outdoor channel. So you keep it around that. I promise you, you'll have any TV show that you want. The only thing we got to agree on then is what is your show content? What are you getting out of it? In other words, that's great. I want to be on the outdoor channel. That's great that you're giving me a really good deal on it, but nobody ever saw my stuff. Nobody saw my logos. Nobody. So you have to be careful, but you also to keep that $10 CPM. So it's based $10, $10 per thousand households. I'm sitting, you know, my numbers are good where they're at. I try to keep it there, but I'm also well aware that you can't, with that three-legged stool, you can't have the fans eating a infomercial. They mm -hmm. want to see, you know, if I'm catching a tuna and I'm throwing a topwater, I don't have to tell you every cast it's a Halco topwater, 60-pound <laughs> cigar braid, a, you know, a, a, a Battle uh, 3 7,500 spinning reel, and a Carnage 2 jigging rod. I don't have to tell you that. I'll put it in the gear guide, and I might mention one time that the 50 to 130 Carnage 2 jigging rod is the perfect rod to throw a topwater on, but I'm mm -hmm. not going to say that every time. Where the education came in and the advertising side from the sponsorship side of it is if you're being successful in what you're doing and the numbers add up and the fans are watching the show, they're going to seek out the products. They're mm -hmm. gonna, they're gonna, you know, they're gonna say, "I see him doing what he's doing. I'm wanting to watch this every week. I know he relies on it. I see the heat he's putting on the fish. I see his boat, how shallow they are in Delacroix. You know that that blue wave. It's a 26 center console, and those guys are literally in no more than 18 inches of water. That's insane. That's the kind of stuff that, to your point on the delivery, the consumers now are so smart. They yep. want it for a reference, but they don't want to be told what it is." Yep. So that's where here for me, this was five to 10 minute meetings with my sponsors. My numbers are where they are. They know what I'm doing. I'm shooting season 15 for 2022. I sat down, I said, you guys good? Anything we need to work on? Yeah, we've got this coming out new. Okay, I'll work that in the gear guide. I'm gonna be using it such and such. Um, you guys need anything else? Nope, I'm good. Same for next year. Yep, you want a one-year deal, want a two-year deal, two-year deal, cool. I'll send it to you next week, and I'm out. But right. that that's after <laughs> that's after 15 years of Big Water Adventures. Yeah. Um, I had a longer conversation for the first 10 years. You know, it, it it's something that if it's not getting easier, I would tell you this. If it's not getting easier for you and you've been at it, every year it should get easier, mm -hmm. or you're just flat doing something wrong. Right. You know, if you got to fight it every single year and it just never seems to get easier, you're not doing it right. Yeah. So. Yep. A lot of that's respect. 
you know, and, and seeing the, the proofs in the pudding, man, yep. as they say. It so. is. It is. And, and you, you also have to be <laughs> humble enough to realize that, you know, you're not always going to make the right call. You may look at a show that you think was the greatest show in the world. I watch the ratings on every single one of my shows and I, every week. I compare it week to week. And, it, and it's for the reason that I want to know what, what are people relating to? What are mm -hmm. they clicking on? What are they watching? The hilarious thing, we had a relatively tough shoot, that triple-digit Amberjack. Even Boomer, Steve, Mont Steve Montgomery at Salt Fever Guide Service, he was floored because we had tough time catching groupers. We couldn't get through the Amberjacks. We closed on a hundred and some odd pound fish, turned it loose. He was absolutely blown away that he had, you know, 50, 75 people calling wanting to book Amberjack trips, yeah. not even wanting to do anything else. That show actually rated overall better than the show the year earlier that had scamps, gags, and cobias. So That's crazy, yeah. It is, but yep. you need to be you need to ask yourself what is the reason? The wow factor of that giant fish. We got some really cool underwater footage of it. Mm -hmm. And so then when we went back this year, I hybridized the two and basically did, all right, let me see if it was the underwater stuff. Let's throw some AJs in, let's do this. So I'm I'm paying attention to what the re the uh, viewers are telling right. me that yes, I want to see this, or maybe it was that the time of year that it aired. Maybe it was going closer into the season. But that's where my brain's always turning, trying to figure out why mm -hmm. are you watching this and think it's awesome, or why do you, quite frankly, not tune in? Yep. Yep. So that's why it's successful. So. Exa exactly. Yep. Three-legged so, stool, brother. Yeah. Well, I heard we were talking earlier today uh, during a, a break in between meetings and stuff that uh, you got a you got a place you hunt over in Texas. Yes. Sir. So. Yes, sir. So how much I, hunting do you get to do? Last year, uh, in a number, 11 days. 11 days? Yeah. yeah it was uh, COVID last year. We finished, um, <laughs> I was in Port Mansfield, Texas, Chad Kenny, uh, Bam Bam Charters. Mm -hmm. And I was supposed to get a weather window about the, I believe it was like the 11th of December. And he called me. And he, I was just coming back from Panama. Panama had just opened. We filmed a couple at Tropic Star. He's, I'm in the Panama, literally in the Panama airport, and he's like, dude, you got to get down here as quick as you can. The weather window's happening, da 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 da. I go home, I unpack my stuff, I had everything ready, staged, ready to go, hooked up all the gear, got in the truck, started driving. I was somewhere around Beaumont, and uh, he says, hey man, the weather window's gone, where are you at? And I'm like, oh, dude. <laughs> well, uh, I'm about halfway there, two thirds of the way there. He said, oh, well, you know, long-range forecasting isn't looking good. Um, why don't you come on down? And I was like, I'll come down and sit as long as you want. If you don't have anything planned, you know, Merry Christmas. We're going we gonna to do it. <laughs> so I sat in his little annex room and, uh, you know, waited. And two days before Christmas, we got a day in. Mm -hmm. The Christmas Eve day, we finished it and, you know, had a great show. Everything was awesome. Packed my stuff up loaded the truck got on the road got home christmas day at 11 a.m and that's how i got finished so to your hunting point i had four color four call bucks and three good bucks that i wanted killed on my lease in abilene and i just didn't even feel like carrying a gun i called two or three of my buddies three of my buddies and i said hey man um gonna go to texas i got some deer i need to get shot i sat in a stand and got them all killed uh, but i just hunting last year I, I hunt because i love to hunt i typically would hunt three months out the year if i could yeah but i just last year 
I, that this horse had been beat. <laughs> yeah, it's crazy. A lot happened, and a lot got crammed into the last yeah. half of 2020. So yeah, I, that's why I love to hunt because I don't have to. Yeah, you know, I can, I can, I don't have to get up at at 4 a.m. and go sit in the stand. If I feel like it, I'll watch the sun rise and you know, thank God I'm alive. But if I don't, I'm gonna sleep in and I'm gonna get in my woobies and eat me a can <laughs> of soup and watch you know, cartoons Saturday morning. So, yeah, I finally I got a couple trips in and uh, and luckily got my daughter on one turkey hunt this spring on her first one where she was. That, see, that's awesome. That's what it's all it. about. So yeah, she uh, she's a fisher woman. And that's that's outstanding. Turning into quite the hunter. So yeah, I'm uh, looking forward to getting her out well, there more. The, so the three guys I took, one of them had never killed probably over a hundred inch you know buck. One of them had never killed a deer, and the other one you know wanted a, a had never killed what they called a trophy. And all three of those guys killed the biggest deer they'd ever killed in their lives. Nice. And I, you know, three of them were post mature, and then I had the, the four call bucks, and um, all of them were trophies to those guys. So yeah. to me, that was that was way better than going hunting anyway. Yeah, yeah. You know? Trophies not always about antlers anyway. Yeah. So if I'm not going to mount it, I don't kill it anymore. Yeah. Unless Shoot. it's if it's a call buck, then I'll kill it to eat it. But you know, I, I love to hunt, and I love the fact that I can do what i want when i want and not feel obligated to do it because i used to be like that with fishing and now it's you know <laughs> if you can do it you go period yeah. and you got the camera you get mic'd up you do all these things and it's i'm not crying about it by any stretch but it definitely <coughs> changed the aptitude that goes into it mm -hmm. you know yeah of all the friends i have that do production television and stuff like that it's like that's one thing everybody says. It's such a huge misconception. It's like, oh, they just go and shoot a show in a couple of days and be done with it and then yep. go home and... No. That no, ain't... No, no. <laughs> That's not how it's it It's like I told you, Star Wars wasn't shot <coughs> in outer space, and I forget, last time I saw like 4 billion people had seen Star Wars and only 400,000 had seen how it was made. <coughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> shoot, man. Well, uh... Well, hopefully, maybe one day we can get you down to Galveston. We'll do a big fish show down there, man. Catch some big stuff. And um, but um, tell people real quick again how they can get on the watching the show and yeah, where they can find you on Facebook and Instagram and all that stuff. If you're a digital person, you can go to MOTV.com and it's an app that's got not just my show. It's really it's a good deal. I forget it's like six six or eight bucks a month, yeah. whatever it is. But it's every show that's on the outdoor channel hunting and fishing in all seasons so you can literally for that amount you can download my entire season 6 through 13 um i air 9:30 a.m eastern standard time q1 and q2 on outdoor channel uh but if you want to see what i'm where i'm airing how i'm airing what i'm doing where i'm going and pretty much a day-to-day the easiest way is to go to bigwateradventures.com, no caps, no spaces, and it'll pull you up to the Instagram, to Facebook, all the digital stuff we're doing. And we keep pretty abreast. You know, it, it'll kind of confuse you to begin with because, you know, we'll be airing in Panama this week, but we're filming in Alaska for next year. So you're going to see, you know. Right, a behind-the-scenes preview. Right. Yeah. You, you get to see stuff a year before it comes to, comes yeah. to air. Yeah, that's cool. Man, well, um, thanks for being on the show, man. I really appreciate you taking the time. I know it's it's hectic here to do anything. so Just like everything but, uh, else, you just got to schedule it, put your head down, and go. Yep. So, But, uh, but yeah, man, glad to finally get to meet you in person, and hopefully we get to fish together one day. Enjoyed it, brother. So, anytime, all right, man. Anytime. Here, we'll, and, uh, shake, we'll shake hands. Yeah, we'll yeah, shake there you go. Here. So, all right, Mark, we appreciate it, bud. Appreciate it, brother. Right, Much man. love. Thanks.
I'm Will Cooper, and you're listening to HuntStand's Make Your Mark podcast on the Waypoint Podcast Network. Stick around as I bring you more stories and interviews from veteran hunters and industry professionals who inspire us all to be better equipped in the woods and in life. On Mondays, head offshore with Captain Scott Walker and Steve Roger for breathtaking deep sea adventures. Coming to me, coming to me, coming to me. Double. He's jumping, he's jumping, he's jumping. Oh! oh. Look at that belly. Don't miss Mondays with Into the Blue. Brought to you by Academy Sports and Outdoors from 7 to 10 p.m. Eastern. Tell a few fish stories along the way. On Waypoint TV, the destination for outdoor entertainment. 